Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Spaghetti Fiction. I am your host Alyssa and today I am going to be discussing some of the things that I watched over the summer. Now to get this out of the way, this recording, the audio quality is going to be different from the rest. I am recording this off of my iPhone because I realized when editing this episode that it only recorded the first half and not the second half of everything. So originally I was going to talk about clickbait, Fear Street trilogy, and the old uh, A&E show Celebrity Ghost Stories, but it did not let me record for Fear Street, so I'm going to do that for the next episode. My apologies. Uh, Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. I am going to start off a bit boring. I am going to be talking about celebrity ghost stories real quick because they, this, I've noticed that they had uploaded a lot of their episodes onto the LMN and another YouTube channel. So I was able to go back and watch a lot of these episodes from years ago. So for those of you who do not know, Celebrity Ghost Stories is an American paranormal reality television series that debuted on October of 2009, and it was on the Lifetime Movie Network. Actually, the first four seasons aired on this channel called the Biography Channel, which I've never heard of, uh, and then it was moved to Lifetime Movie Network. And then apparently in 2019, A&E had picked it up and said they were going to revive the series with a sixth season. So I'm not really sure if that actually happened. I haven't seen anything about that. It has a bunch of people that you probably know. Uh, I know in the first episode, Joan Rivers and David Carradine were in it. There's people ranging from like Marilyn Manson to uh, Lauren Preppen and or Laura Preppen, excuse me. And apparently Alice Cooper. Okay, I'm surprised that it managed to run for six seasons because honestly, I really did think that after the first couple seasons, they stopped it because I just stopped hearing about the show. Uh, I remember watching reruns when I was in middle school and being like super terrified of it because I've always been really interested in like paranormal and ghost stories and things like that. Um, as I've gotten older, you know, it doesn't excite me or really scare me as much as it used to. So when I did go and rewatch these shows this past summer, I, I don't know. They were not good. And I wasn't surprised that the quality was that bad. So um, I went and rewatched a few episodes from the f- second or third season, I believe, the one with Marilyn Manson, the ones with Laura Preppen. And I, I of course, I'm going to just kind of skate through these real quick because it's really not that interesting. One thing I really hate when it comes to any sort of biography, not really biography, but like documentary or reality style uh, television shows and movies is when they do these poor reenactments. And that is half of the show for Celebrity Ghost Stories. It's one thing when you have a reenactment for, you know, your average person, like when you're watching a true crime, uh, 
TV show on ID or Discovery or whatever. If that's uh, like that's one thing, but then it's a completely different ball game when it comes to um, reacting celebrities to ghost stories because it kind of pulls you out of that because it's obviously these celebrities are not going to sit and waste their time <laughs> reenacting what happened to them. Uh, so that was a bit jarring and boring, in my opinion. And the way that they did that was. The reenactments were more as an overlay to what the celebrity was saying, but they still had some sort of weird dialogue. But the sound effect of it was like very muffled and really weird. And they have these really weird effects where it looks like they are taking old photos of the scene and then it starts as a video. And then like the sound effects are really weird. It's just, it's that entire part of it really pulls you out of it, right? And also, a lot of the ghost stories aren't really that scary <laughs> looking back on it. Like, I remember seeing a an advertisement for the Marilyn Manson story. I was like, oh my god, that's so fucking cool. I'm so excited. Then, you know, years later, I finally get to watch the Marilyn Manson episode. And I'm like, wow, this is really fucking boring. Um, you would think that they would create a more scary or eerie atmosphere. Like, sure, some of the sound effects and music that they used is low-key kind of scary but overall I mean it was very lackluster for me and I just wanted to bring that up real quick you can watch most of the episodes on YouTube uh, and they also have The Haunting Of which is like a spinoff series of it where they take the celebrities back to the place where they um, had these paranormal experiences and they bring on a um, medium yeah so her name is Kim Russo um, I've never heard of her before this. Um, it was interesting to see them actually go back to that place where they went, but the same it's the same thing with the reenactments there as well. Like, it's still bad. I mean, there has to be a better way of tell, retelling and recreating these stories without having to do that. I don't know. There's something about reenactments in general that are really annoying to me. So the next thing I would like to talk about real quick is the clickbait miniseries or limited series that recently premiered on Netflix on August 25th this year. And so this is a American Australian drama uh, television miniseries that was created by Tony Aris and Christian White. Now, obviously, I'm not going to be going too in-depth and in analyzing it, um, but there is a great YouTube video by Amanda the Jedi where she covers um, the entire plot and her issues with the story that I will link in the show notes below for further um, research if you're interested. Now, this is a this was an interesting show because it's so easily bingeable. I ended up watching it all in one night and the only reason I kept clicking forward was because every episode, they always had a weird twist ending. I was like, okay, I want to see what happens next. Now, did I like the series? Not really. Um, they did kind of keep me enthralled with it because there was a really good setup. Just a quick overview that I am getting from Wikipedia real quick, and then I'll go into IMDb or whatever and kind of give you like the lowdown of everything that happened. Um, so apparently clickbait explores the ways dangerous and uncontrolled impulses are, few, are fueled in the age of social media and reveals the ever widening fractures between virtual and real life personas. And it is set in Oakland, California, but it was mostly filmed in Melbourne, 
Australia, which is really interesting. I didn't realize that this was uh, an Australian show. This series follows uh, our main character, Pia, and she is, you know, she got a little bit of a, a drinking problem, you know, uh, and she ended up in the the first episode, she had a fight with her brother, Nick Brewer, at a family dinner. So it's Pia and Nick, right? Those are the two main characters. She ends up leaving, and uh, like a day or so later, she is at her job. She's an RN, and one of the kids that she is um, assisting, which I'm guessing is like for dialysis or something, because she was like hooking him up to this machine. And... Um, he ends up clicking on a video on his laptop and it's a this really weird video of this man that was holding up these signs saying like I abuse women, I um you know, I killed a woman, whatever. And Pia gets upset and realizes that's her brother Nick. Uh so she ends up going home and tells sister-in-law which is she doesn't like, they have some sort of weird relationship. They don't like each other that much. Um, and apparently th there was another sign on the video that said at 5 million views or 500 million views, I will die. And so people were kept clicking on it. And she kept like refreshing the video and looking at the view count and they hadn't gotten police involved. And fun fact, one of the police in the missing persons case, like one of, one of the people working with them, apparently they matched on a dating uh app the night before and he was going under a different name which uh that's kind of weird right so that's pretty much like the setup of the entire plot and it just kind of weaves through these theories of like you know who is it uh the main cast that we're kind of seeing is this detective pia uh pia's sister-in-law and their and nick's children and then also the moms come in for a bit here and there at one point they're trying to say that like the older brother's online friend could possibly be a uh sus could be the person that did this to uh nick they're making all these people look really weird so it kind of starts off with them looking at the sister and the family trying to uncover what's going on uh, and then we get into the second episode, which is about the detective, and they find out where this van is. Um, and a lot of this is influenced by people online creating like these quote unquote Reddit threads because it's something else in the, uh, in in the show, but it's basically the equivalent to Reddit, where they're trying to figure out where um, this person is. And then they're doing. They had this app called like GeoNick or Nick Caching or something which uh, people mark where they were looking for his body, which is really morbid. Uh, and I think like that part was really interesting to me because it's like really weird how people are really getting into uh, searching for this man and not because they're, you know, they feel bad for him or because they want to help the family. It's because they relish in the idea that they could stumble upon a dead body. They thought the video was cool or interesting or whatever and it just became really sensationalized and so they ended up you know like oh yeah let's go do this and that and they don't they don't really care about the people involved uh and i guess that could be true for a lot of things i mean reddit has had their fair share of fuck-ups when it comes to trying to solve murders uh the boston bombing plan comes to mind um you know, and so it's it's really weird uh, and, and pretty realistic when 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 they add in that uh, issue. Right. 
And so then we go into the wife. They're looking into the wife and her, what was going on with them. Apparently her and Nick were having marriage issues and um, Sophie, Nick's wife, had ended up cheating on Nick with a fellow professor because she was a teacher at her son's school. He was also a teacher. They ended up getting together um, and they find some footage of Nick and the ex-boyfriend, whoever, uh, getting into a fight at a bar. And so now they're trying to point fingers at this um, ex-boyfriend, right? Which is super fucking weird. Um, I really, I didn't think it was him. They really are trying to point you in these certain directions by giving you all of these clues, making you think it's going to be a certain person, and then completely doing a 180 and turning it on onto somebody else. And they, and that's like the theme throughout the show. And that's what keeps you wondering because they're coming up with more clues, trying to get closer to what happened. I mean, it's a really fun thing. Watching a murder mystery is fun. And they did a good job of doing that, right? So they, they end up taking in this guy for custody. Uh, his name is Curtis. They end up letting him go because they were like, well, there's not enough evidence. They also end up going to a memorial that was for Nick, I believe in the, the gym at the school because he also worked at the same school, I think. He was a uh, physical therapist for the girls volleyball team. And so that's when people, Curtis had already let people know, like, yeah, I was in a, I had an affair with Sophie. And so at this point, people were just like pointing their fingers at Sophie, kind of just looking at her differently, more judgingly. And sure, I mean, that's awful. You shouldn't cheat on your spouse. But I mean, later on, we realize in this episode that Nick was cheating on her as well. They find a, a woman named Emma Beasley is following Sophie from her house to a skating park after one of her sons leave because they found out that she had an affair. And um, she walks up to the woman, asks her what she wants, and then Emma says that she was having a relationship with Nick. So she goes home, she tells Pia, they end up finding... Um, his dating profile that was apparently deactivated and that it was set up since 2018. Um, so two years ago, way even before Sophie had cheated on Nick with Curtis. So that's kind of starting to develop a pattern where we're thinking, oh, okay, so it seems that Nick really is a bad guy. You know, we're starting to put those pieces together. And then we go into the fourth episode titled The Mistress, where they have uh, a story-centered focus on Emma. She, she ended up coming from, I want to say probably San Fran or something like that, into Oakland and staying there for a few nights, talking with the police, giving her statement, which honestly, why would you even fucking do that? Because they're really... There really was no reason for Emma to come down to Oakland and say anything because she didn't fucking know shit about what was going on. She just wanted to go and find Sophie and like Sophie said, to air out her conscience and tell her what happened after she saw the uh, the news reports about Nick go, uh, going missing in that weird viral video. So then we get a bunch of like flashbacks of Emma and Nick quote unquote together, but 
the way that those are set up now, looking back on it, um, they're very airy, very dreamlike. They don't seem like they're reality. Um, sorry, spoilers, but it turns out that Emma deluded herself into believing that she actually met Nick in person, when in reality, they only had online chat conversations. Wow, who would have fucking known, right? Then we are going into episode five titled The Reporter, which is Ben Park. He is the guy who is trying to get uh, the inside scoop of this entire tragedy, which is also an interesting angle, but such a boring, unnecessary um, episode because they're trying to make him and, and his boyfriend look like they're just fucking detectives when in reality they're not um sure and a lot of unfortunately and a lot of these high profile cases in real life we are gonna get journalists um who see this more as like gossip or dirty laundry being aired out than an actual uh true crime case that is affecting real people that are going in and going to different lengths just to 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 get their story out first get all that hot goss you know before the uh before everyone else can get that notoriety. Um, so we follow Ben Park, who in, decides to interview Emma. Uh, and she is talking about how Nick is actually a really bad guy and how he uh, abused her emotionally. Ben is like, oh yeah, this is great. I'm gonna go and pretend to be a food delivery man and sneak into Sophie's house and start taking photos, which is disgusting it happens it's disgusting because at this point uh, if you did watch the show there are a ton of news reporters just hanging out in front of the house waiting for Sophie or one of the other family members to come out so they can try and get a word with her and so he manages to sneak in and Pia is like you need to get the fuck out and he ends up leaving his card with um Emma after he gets kicked out of the house because she's still hanging out outside the the house for whatever reason fucking weird and so Ben and his boyfriend Cameron are now at home and they're doing some research online looking up his profiles finding out that he has more than one dating profile on different apps and different websites they 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 land on this one woman where I'm let's see I honestly there's so many fucking names here. So apparently there's this one profile named Maggie Oxley and they're like, hmm, there's something that happened. They 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 travel to a different um area to go and find this person. And apparently Maggie Oxley was just an alias for a woman named Sarah Burton who had died by uh committing suicide just four months before. So when they go, they go into San Clemente because that's where she was located. And they they find out that obviously the name Maggie wasn't real because it was some fucking cat person's name uh, at some bookstore. Not cat person, uh, just a cat. Mascot cat for some bookstore. In a, and then they find out where Sarah Burton lived or I guess where her older brother Simon lives because they end up Ben ends up breaking into Simon's house finds a box of these trinkets which we uh we assume are Sarah's finds her phone steals it gets back in the car they drive home and then the boyfriend 
Cameron is like, you know what? That was really fucked up. That was super illegal. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna bounce for a few days and I'm gonna leave. And honestly, good for Cameron because that shit's fucking weird. Um, this, this dude is going way too far. And so they end up getting a review with Sophie because Sophie is like, you know what? If they release this Emma review, that's gonna make things look worse. So I need to go out there and I need to set this record straight and, and show that Nick is not a, a bad guy. Because of this little sneaking into the house incident, Ben gets kicked off of his own story. <laughs> Sophie ends up being interviewed. They end up uh, bringing up during this interview about Sarah and how she committed suicide. And they were like, so what do you know about that? That he made, he made a woman commit suicide. You know, he was with this girl who ended up, and she's like, what? And then we get to the fun centric episode about the brother Simon, which again, that was another filler episode that we did not need. It kind of goes into the backstory of him and um, Sarah's relationship. Apparently Sarah was a bit unstable. She had a lot of mental issues. And so he was watching her and trying to take care of her. Um, and then when this whole incident happened, he became really angry and obsessed with trying to figure out who it was that pushed her to suicide because he saw the text between Sarah and Nick and was like, all right, that's the guy. We're going to go find him. So they end up uh, figuring out his morning routine. They waited for him because he goes biking in the morning. They kidnapped him, threw him in a van and forced him to make these videos. <laughs> and then they realize it's not him. Of course, fucking not. So fucking Simon and his stupid ass partner, Daryl, where they were like, okay, after the 500 million moves, we're going to shoot him, right? But Simon ends up letting him go because he realizes that the photos are photoshopped that are on his dating profile, which brings up my interesting point is why did they Photoshop pictures of Nick and these women together as if they actually met when in reality, they never met? What the fuck was that all about, right? Simon and Daryl end up getting arrested. Simon is like, no, I didn't, I let him go. I didn't kill him. And Pia's like, yeah, I believe him because uh, some backstory that I accidentally left out. Apparently Pia and Nick, when they were children, walked in on their dad after he committed suicide. And unfortunately they were very traumatized by that. So Pia knew that he would never tell Sarah to go kill herself because allegedly in these texts between Sarah and Nick, he, she said that she was gonna kill herself and he told her to go ahead and do it. Episode seven, which is the son. And this is about the older son, Ethan. And Ethan has been really to himself. He doesn't have any friends, not that many kids really like him at school. So he's online a lot. And he has this one online friend that he's been talking to. They hint pretty heavily that kind of the words that she's using, the way how this person is talking, it's like, yeah, obviously this weirdo online did it. Well, they end up meeting up. Turns out that is actually a young girl. And the reason that she never wanted to meet, what, meet up with him is because she has social anxiety. Just another thing that throws you through the fucking loop. Uh, and then they find out where some of these weird photoshopped images come through. Also, they get in contact with Emma, find out that she she finally decides to tell them, yeah, I never actually met your father. Ethan plays a voice recording of what Ethan's dad actually sounds like. Then that's when Emma realizes I wasn't even talking to him. Then we get into episode eight in the final episode. Thank fucking God, because there's so many twists and turns. 
makes no sense, right? So Ethan realizes that Kai had went to his computer, found, read the messages between him and the online friend because she had sent an address where the uh, where these images originally came from because you can look at the metadata and figure out their location. So Kai, being the, the cool middle school kid he is, picks up a fucking baseball bat and is like, all right, I'm going to walk there myself. And it's like, dude, what the fuck? I'm sorry. Do you really think you're going to do some fucking damage with a baseball bat to someone? No, you're not. But I, I can't really say too much because he's a kid. It's it's different. When they, that's just how it, it's different, I guess. You know, when you're younger, you just have that, like, that one track mind. And so they end up following him. Uh, turns out the woman, there was this woman. Her name is Dawn. And she is the administrative assistant at the high school that everyone worked at. She is the one who did this. Who would have fucking guessed? Who would have fucking guessed? It's obviously the only person that has access to all of everyone's uh, personal data. So we get these like flashbacks where she is inputting all of Nick's stuff for him, syncing his phone to his computer. She's setting up all of his accounts. She sees that he's got a dating app. So it's inferred that he was already starting to talk to women even before then. So, and it was Mandy, which is another one of the girls he was talking to. So it probably started off as him talking to, actually him talking to Mandy, which that's pretty fucked, right? She decides, oh, I'm going to take all his photos, possibly, and I'm going to start making fake dating accounts, all because she doesn't get enough love at home. Her longtime husband, Ed, is more interested in his model trains than he is his wife. Dawn gets really upset, feels lonely, decides to start making all these profiles and talks to these women using his photos. Has like a fake voice thing and is talking to them on the phone, acting crazy. And then one night, Ed discovers what was going on and he's really upset. This is also when we find out that instead of Nick going straight to the police or straight back home, he shows up to Don and Ed's house and threatens to bring, uh, tell the police what Don had did. But unfortunately, that can't happen because Ed ends up killing him with a fucking hammer or whatever it was that he was holding. And so that's how Nick really died. So then we we get back to present day Kai instead of um, they he didn't they didn't realize that Kai knew what was going on. They didn't really, he, I don't think he knew enough to really be like definitively say, oh yeah, Don and Ed were behind this. He was surprised when they opened the door. So they, instead of like, you know, saying, okay, well, cool, bye, go home. They end up taking him to an abandoned farm or out or some fucking farm and they're going to try and kill him. But luckily... The police in Pia figure out where they're at, I guess because they're tracking his phone or something. I don't fucking remember. Uh, And they end up saving Kai and Ed ends up getting shot and he dies. And that's it. That's the movie. I mean, that's the show. Too many twists and turns. Don't like how the ending is. It starts, it's it's a pretty solid uh, um, series up until the last couple of episodes because they really just want to throw everything. It's like they're throwing things at the wall, seeing what sticks. I think a good, like, mystery, it's it's okay if you figure out early on who the culprit really was. Uh, Who fucking cares, right? 
But like to do something weird like this, it's just, if look, it felt like it was really rushed. They didn't really iron out everything and they just wanted to add in all of these cool twists just because for the sake of adding twists. So that's, that's fun, right? And, uh, and that was, uh, that's the show. That's the show. Uh, would I watch it again? Probably not. Don't really care. I don't know any of the people in the main cast, so I'm not going to bother even telling you who they are. That was clickbait. Go watch it if you want. It is a fun binge watch. It is a fun guilty pleasure kind of show. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I gotta say about that. I would probably give it a three out of five, just because the majority of the episodes were pretty fun until the last two. It was like boring. Not really boring, but just weird. All right, so that is going to be it for the first part of our summer review. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Sorry that I didn't get all of my thoughts out. I will be recording for the Fear Street trilogy later on. And honestly, I think this is a good thing because then I can actually flesh out everything. Anyway, make sure you follow us on our socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that good stuff. And we will be seeing you in the next episode. Bye.